for every UNLV Rebel football game is ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM, KWWN Las Vegas. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. Well, we were going to talk to Steve Sisolak. Just got a text. They are dialing back right now. Okay. And there it is. Was on the phone, and then all of a sudden we heard a <laughs> dial tone right before we came back on the air, which is probably the worst thing to hear if you are doing a radio show. At least if you're that Jared or over here. hearing nothing. That too. Yeah. Okay. You're right. Hearing you're nothing. Right. Hearing nothing is probably worse. Is not good than the dial tone. But the dial tone as producer is probably the worst thing yes. you can possibly hear. Jared didn't seem very worried about it. <laughs> it's actually, yeah, you're right. It was the calmest he was. Normally, he's pretty panicked about these things. We good to go, Jared? No, nope, uh, give uh, you guys should uh, you guys should talk about all the upcoming stuff this weekend while I wait and to make sure that we have something. Okay, okay. sounds good. UNLV, <laughs> UNLV Reno, uh, tomorrow night. Do you think they have any chance? No, no. No. Would you take Carolyn Goodman's twenty and a half point spread bet? No, I might take that because aren't we've read uh, they lead at halftime four times and ATS. This year. I think they're. They, three three, they and, three, two three in, and two in the FBS games. Okay. I don't remember the the uh, Eastern Washington game, what it was, but they are okay. three and two against the spread in FBS games. So I take the 20 and a half. Yeah. I don't think they're going to win. I think I, the just tw- think the 20 and a half. I just think the quarterback's too good. Yeah, the 20 and a half is tough because I think there's high blowout potential because of how good Carson Strong is and UNLV's defensively, UNLV's biggest weakness okay. is the secondary. So the 20 and a half is tough because I do think there's high blowout potential, but I think I'm with you. I think I would take UNLV. I take the 20 and a half. Yeah, I think I'd take the points for UNLV because they have they don't they don't get blown out. Like a no. little, little bit of credit to Marcus Arroyo. It doesn't get blown out, but 20 and a half. All right, joining us now, Steve Sisolak, governor of Nevada. Steve, how are you this morning? I'm doing terrific. Good morning, sports fans. Love to talk to you. <laughs> Governor, uh, big weekend. I know you want to talk about that and a lot of other things sports-wise, but, and Tyler's going to help me here. We have to ask about the hat. Was it the hat? Yeah, the, the split hat, yeah, the split UNLV hat. What, Nevada. What, what happened there? Where where did the hat come from? The hat was a gift from one of the uh, Board of Regents members. Okay. And uh, the hat was not popular. I took a lot of <laughs> about being undecided, so I don't think I'll be bringing out the hat again this year. I'm just not. I'm not feeling that. I'm not feeling the hat. <laughs> you you still own the hat though. Like it hasn't I been thrown in the trash. I do still own the hat. I do uh, still own the hat. Yeah, it's, but it's been retired from uh, public appearances. <laughs> so, will you be at the game on Friday? I am going to be at the game on Friday. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's. Uh, hope it's a good game. You know, hope it's not a, a blowout. Certainly, and uh, I know UNLV always comes prepared, even if they're. Not quite at the same level as uh, the Wolfpack, but uh, hopefully it'll be a good game and the fans will have a good time. We have seen a lot in sports where, you know, governors or whether it's mayors, people, you know, hey, well, let's bet on our sports teams playing. I think Carolyn Goodman was the first person to offer up one of these bets while taking the point spread (laughs) into account. (laughs) I saw that. She bet with Hillary, who's a good friend of mine, Hillary, and... uh, it's like, okay, I'll take the Rebels plus 21. Well, come on. I mean, you know, I did the hockey bets. There was no line on the hockey bets. It was just straight up bets with other governors. You know, I never heard about it with the point spread, but I guess that's uh, that's what they worked out. So, Wait, what did you and have? And then it to... was kind of unusual because the winner 
has to buy a shirt to send to the loser. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what kind of bet is that? You know, I, mean, I don't get it. You know. Wait, what did you have to do with Montreal? Uh, Montreal, we had a bet on uh, uh, a bottle of whiskey. Okay. It was from Prize Ranch Whiskey. We set the whiskey up there, and uh, that was a tough loss. That was a tough one. I was not happy sending that bottle up there, but it was uh, it was fun. It was fun to do. Those are I enjoy those things. Yeah, then uh, Knights play as well on Friday. They play uh, Ducks. Uh, got two wins the last two nights. Uh, <laughs> you, 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 yeah, you might, you might wins, be on the third you... line eventually because everyone's hurt. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. They're going through some tough injuries, which really makes it you know difficult. And uh, the first line, and but they got two wins. They got two wins on a tough road trip, which brought them back. They're, you know, making progress. And uh, it's a long season. It's a long, long season. And I learned it doesn't matter where you got to just get into the Stanley Cup. As long as you can get in there, then you, anything can happen. You know, you bring your A game, and I think that they will. So they just, they're improving. So I'm pleased. Uh, I am curious, what conversations did you have recently with the A's and Dave Cavill? Because they've now, it looks like they're going to get what they wanted out of Oakland and Alameda County. But what conversations did you had over this year with the Oakland A's? I've had numerous conversations with them. They came and we sat down and we talked and we had a couple of phone calls about, you know, various sites. And I told them they can't keep adding sites. You know, they weren't reducing the number of sites. They were adding to the number of sites. And we had long discussions about whether or not it should be out in uh, Summerlin. They had some sites identified out there uh, or on the strip. And, you know, what percentage of, you know, the, the fans would be coming from out of town and what would be locals and whatnot. So we talked about all of that assorted things. And, uh, then they uh, apparently have got a deal struck with uh, Oakland. I talked to uh, the commissioner. He called me one time, and we had a real nice discussion about, you know, the future of Las Vegas and baseball, and very positive about uh, Las Vegas. I don't know if this is the right one, frankly, uh, because it's tough when you use. You feel like you're getting used as a stalking horse, and that's kind of what this felt like. Uh, but it's not over yet. It's not over, and depending what Oakland does, it will remain to be seen. I want to ask you, because every time this comes up, you know the words public-private. Um, early on, uh, a story in the newspaper, uh, some legislature's uh, uh, members being quoted, there's no temperature for public money. That happened with the Raiders. Uh, so in your talks with them, was in your mind, was that a big stumbling block where people here are like, you know what, we've kind of done this, and now you're going to ask for a lot of money. We're not sure we want to do that again. Well, that was definitely a discussion, a, a real point. And in California, they have different requirements. They've got an affordable housing concept when you build a, a development like this, that they have to build so much affordable housing. We don't have that here, but I told them it couldn't be subsidized. There's not any mood on behalf of the legislature, myself right now, frankly, to have a tax increase. Uh, they could probably help. We could probably help them with some infrastructure and transportation, some roads, ingress, egress, so forth and so on, us in the county. But they'd kind of be on their own, and they were talking about a, a little bit more of a development than the Raiders did in terms of uh, surrounding, you know, amenities. And the Raiders just had the stadium, and they didn't uh, build any restaurants, bars, you know, that sort of thing, shops near there. Uh, but that, they were looking at that option, and uh, like I said, it'll depend what happens in Oakland. It's not done, clearly. Uh, the commissioner made it really clear to me that they cannot stay in Oakland under the circumstances that they were playing. Uh, the quality of the field was just becoming a danger for the players. Even uh, they needed to do more, and the other teams didn't want to keep going in there. So they were uh, adamant about having to have a new facility, or else they were going to move. So we'll see what comes up with Alameda. When you uh, talk to Rob Manfred, any discussion about down the line Major League Baseball expanding? 
Yeah, there was definitely a uh, little bit of a discussion. He thought that was a ways off. It's the same kind of thing that I had with Adam Silver with the NBA, that he didn't think it was going to be immediate, that it would be more likely a team moving. Uh, and they're building a little smaller stadiums now. That's more the boutique level of these stadiums with a lot more amenities and boxes and whatnot. Uh, so, yeah, he talked about that we're always going to be, because of the success clearly of the Knights and then the Raiders, uh, that it's such we're viewed as a really potentially lucrative market, and they're, and they're focusing on that. I mean, I was at the game again last weekend, and I tell you what, that I'm so proud of that stadium and what's done. And you know, well, as I do better now, you guys, there's a lot of naysayers about that stadium. But let me tell you something. They brought in an awful lot of people from around the country that spent money, stayed in the hotel rooms, ate in our restaurants, and it helps keep people employed. So the stadium served a purpose. The stadium definitely serves a purpose. And I tell you, when uh, Philly went down and scored that first touchdown and the crowd erupted, I'm like, what did I miss? I mean, the Raiders couldn't have scored. I mean, it was, you felt like it was a Philly home game for a while there. Uh, there's an awful lot of green jerseys out in that stands. Yeah, exactly. And there was a lot of bear jerseys. And that's what I wanted to ask you about. Basically, how is is this working exactly how the stadium authority wanted it to? And people say, well, okay, but you have half people in there. Is it is it real a home field advantage? But my answer is like, look, this is sort of what they sold it on. This is what they wanted. They want people. They want tourism to come in here and to spend their money. So you've been at these games. Does it take away a little advantage? And is it outweighed by people coming here? Well, I think it's outweighed, and this was the reason we built the stadium to get people coming in here. And I'm from Milwaukee, and I, you know, I mean, you go to Green Bay, you go to Lambeau Field, and it's 95% Packer fans. I mean, you know, just you don't go to Green Bay as a tourist attraction, you know, in the middle of winter, uh, and happen to take in a football game. So the home field advantage is probably, and if you stronger there, and if you get to the point spread, I don't know how the bookmakers do this, but they probably give a few extra points for Green Bay home field advantages compared to one where it's going to be closer to 50-50, you know, with the, with the uh, opposing team. But a lot of these NFL teams now travel very, very well, just like the NHL travels well. And I tell you, you see people coming here for two, three. It's, they don't just fly into the game and leave. You know, uh, we had a big issue with the, when the Bear game came and all those fans couldn't get back to uh, Chicago because of the Southwest flights were all getting canceled. So you come for the game and you end up staying for three, four days and, that fills a lot of hotel rooms. I mean, it keeps a lot of people employed. They're, they're eating in the restaurants. And what I'm hearing, these folks are even going to off-strip restaurants. They're going to the local places. So everybody's getting some of the benefit from that. And that was the reasoning behind the stadium, to bring people to town, whether it's for the games, for the concerts, for the other things that are going to come as a result of having that stadium there. And now with Jeremy Aguero going over there, I mean, I know he's a talented Guy, he's going to bring a lot of events into that stadium, so I'm excited about that. Uh, we had a story yesterday that Bill Foley is backed out of potential Major League Soccer ownership. Uh, that leaves Wes Edens as a potential owner if Major League Soccer comes here. Do you think we're getting a Major League Soccer team soon? I think we got a good chance of a Soccer League uh, team, MLS, coming here. I, I talked to Wes, uh, you know, obviously from the Bucks situation. Again, I'm a Milwaukee Bucks fan, and uh, having been from Milwaukee and grown up there, and He's a pretty avid uh, sports guy, and I think that he's uh, going to make that a reality. I think there's a really good shot that he'll do that, yeah. Is you talked yeah. to us about Major League Baseball and there not being any appetite for public money there. Would Major League Soccer, if they build a stadium on their own, would that have to be them doing it You know, 100% or close to 100% privately? 
I think it would have to be privately. There's not an appetite to build another stadium right now. We've got other needs that we need to do. We've got to fund education. We've got to fund some, you know, social services and, and health care and whatnot. Uh, I don't know, you know, if and when there'd be an appetite to build another stadium. Those are big undertakings, clearly. But I think when you measure, if you did it from a fair viewpoint, granted, putting up $750 million for Allegiant, it was a lot of money. But when you look at, you know, 25,000 people minimum, 30,000 people came for that, these games, the Bears, the Raiders, whom, uh, the Bears, the Eagles, whomever it might be, that's a lot of revenue that we're generating as a result of that. And the things are going to come in the future. And if and when we get a Super Bowl, the exposure that we're going to get for Las Vegas and the revenue that we're going to get for this community is unmeasurable. And uh, I'm proud of that. And I think it's going to continue to bring people here to drive tourism. We've got a lot of rooms on that strip that we got to keep filled. we got to keep those rooms filled, and this is just another amenity to get people in there. All right. You're not the governor for 10 seconds. All right, I'm going to ask you a question. You're not the governor for 10 seconds, and don't worry if UNLV people are listening because they read the columns, so they don't listen to the, they don't listen to, to the show. <laughs> um, you, are you on the mayor's side? Which mayor's side are you? taking the points? Are you laying them tomorrow night? I'm, uh, I'm with the mayor. <laughs> okay, there you go. There you go. Very I'm a politician. Nice. I'm with the mayor. Very nice. I, I'm hoping for a good game. I really <laughs> am. I mean, UNLV, this is – they've had clearly had a tough season. There's no doubt. But I think they're considerably better than their record shows. This would make up for all the losses. This would be a, a season, you know, in and of itself if they could pull this off. I understand it's a – it's a big challenge. It's a big, big undertaking. But, you know, it, it can happen. It can happen. It's just going to be an uphill battle. Well, he is Governor Steve Sisolak. Steve, we appreciate your time this morning. Thank you, Steve. We appreciate it. I really enjoy talking with you guys. Thanks an awful lot. Have a great day. You too. Take care of yourself. Ah, I side with the mayor. It's eh, a boring I, answer. I wanted, to, Bring ta- back I wanted, the hats. Take, I wanted him to take the points. Bring back the hats. <laughs> I wanted him to take the points. A uh, lot of good stuff there. Yeah, uh, basically shut down the A's, yeah. getting any public money at any point here. Said they could help with infrastructure if they needed some roads, depending on where they built it, right. to be built up there. And Major League Soccer, he says he thinks there's a pretty good chance yeah. we get one, but also that that's going to be pretty much privately funded as well. That was a lot of good stuff, and and you've said it often about this baseball team. And I think he, he didn't use the word, but he went down the road of, if it doesn't happen, this was leverage. Yeah, I mean, he's what? What was the what is the thing he said? The stalking horse, right? The hell is a stalking horse? I don't know. What I think that it's is. leverage. I think it is too. <laughs> yeah, I was actually going to Google that during the break. <laughs> yeah, he said we were being used as a stalking horse, yes. which it's right. a better term than leverage. Context clue says the same thing as yes. leverage, but yeah, I mean, he basically said that that yeah. we were being used as leverage by Oakland, and he he couched it by saying it's not done yet. They're not done in he, Oakland. It was but, strong, strong. We're like, wow, yeah. and then he's like, well, it's not done. Yeah. But I think I think he made the point. Might be close. Yeah. Coming up next, Bischoff's briefs and a look into UNLV football. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Call the press box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. Bischoff's briefs. I never realized baseball had so much butt touching. Bischoff's briefs. That's how they communicate. Bischoff's Briefs. It's like Braille, but with butts. Bischoff's Briefs. Read my butt! UNLV in Nevada play tomorrow. By the way, we're off the air tomorrow. So this is our 
last show before the battle for the Fremont Cannon. Uh, here was a fun stat from Jared, some Jared, by the way, is going to have the best of tomorrow. show will last from 7 to 7.09. <laughs> and then after that, we have no idea Oh, what's yes, going and on. if you're a listener and there's a segment you vaguely recall, <laughs> if you could text me a date or, you know, tweet at me like, hey, I really enjoyed this, that would be awesome and really help me out. So we're off the air tomorrow. But today, Bischoff's briefs looking at UNLV football because Tom Fornelli tweeted out a fun stat. UNLV has led at halftime in four games this season. They lost all four. UNLV has the most blown halftime leads in college football. UNLV has actually had a lead in six of their seven games this season and have lost all six. Now, the question, and this comes from lots of UNLV fans on Twitter that have this type of argument seemingly every week is how much credit does Marcus Arroyo deserve for UNLV being competitive in these losses? And I don't believe he deserves any credit whatsoever for the team losing close games because he took over a program that while not good, was in decent shape. Tony Sanchez, his wins by season, he won three games in his first year, then four, then four, then five, then four in the final season before he was fired. Tony Sanchez left behind a practice facility and a roster that was competent enough to compete in the Mountain West and win games in the Mountain West. And if you look right now, UNLV's best quarterback, even though Cameron Friel's been better, the best quarterback is Doug Broomfield, who was a Tony Sanchez recruit. Their best offensive player, Charles uh, Williams, Tony Sanchez player. Best defensive player, Jacoby Windham, Tony Sanchez player. The strength of Tony Sanchez's teams was always the offensive line. That is suddenly now the weakest link of this entire roster is how bad the offensive line is. Marcus Arroyo took over a program that was a below average Mountain West program. But he's turned it into the worst program in the conference, Right. It's not that UNLV should be 4-3 and three right now, but they absolutely should not be 0-7. And, and they absolutely should not be 0-13 in two years under Marcus Arroyo, right? Like, this is not... He did not take over a program that was 1-11 the year before. He did not take over a program that was non-competitive in Mountain West games. He took over a team that could win Mountain West games and a team that was competitive against most of the other teams in the conference. And... Year one, 0-6, oh completely blown out in every single game, not competitive. Year two, now 0-7, oh been competitive in games, but hasn't won any. I don't think he deserves any credit because he lowered the bar. He took the bar from where Tony Sanchez had it and dropped it down to the ground. And you don't deserve credit for then picking it back up halfway to where it was before you got there. So, sure, it's better than last year that they're 0-7, oh but... They've been in a lot of these games. They've had leads at halftime, right? It's more encouraging, but it's still a complete failure from where this program was when Marcus Arroyo took over. Tell us what you really think. <laughs> no, no, there's nothing There's nothing you said that is incorrect. I want to know then, let me throw it back to you, because they are leading, they led at halftime of four games, lost all four, had some lead at some point in six or seven. It's just the kids? No, I so they're 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 getting leads. They're blowing them, as yeah. we know. They haven't won a game. They're blowing all these leads. When you when they've been competent, when they've been competent defensively, because I do think there's been a lot of times I'm looking and I'm watching. I'm like, you know what? 
they're better defensively than I remember a lot of years. I don't know if it's Tony or Hauk or Sanford, whoever, but there were years defensively where it was just so bad. So when you see those moments of competency there or Friel kind of moves them down the floor, the field, obviously, you know, Chuck wagon running. Um, where does the credit go? So, okay. They've, they've run into problems closing some of these games where they've had bad quarterback play or quarterbacks gotten hurt halfway through the game, whatever got it blown is up on, yeah. the, on the rush. They never saw. Right. And so they've had some bad quarterback play, which, you know, you're in a close game and you just have incompetent quarterback play. You're not likely to win. They've lost some close games. You remember the one where the nose tackle jumped off sides mm-hmm. four times in one game. Yes. Like, they had that game where it was brutal from a discipline standpoint. They've had the last two weeks, though, where the coaching's been to blame, where Marcus Arroyo's not been aggressive, where they had a seven-minute clock to run the game, and they ran it out before trying to score, before scoring a touchdown to tie the game. And they've had some problems in the secondary where they're giving up some quick scores and where it's like, okay, how do you hold on to this lead? Oh, they just scored a 60-yard touchdown, right? So they've had, they've had lots of issues. I, I don't think, like, player-wise, that that's the biggest problem here. Obviously, you got to get solid quarterback play, but there's enough talent. There's enough good plays that have happened in these games for them to have won a couple of them. But they just they make enough mistakes that they cost you a close game, and it's not just the players. A lot of it is the coaching. Like, we talked about it this for their last game. A lot of that was the coaching. Wasn't aggressive at the end of the first half. Wasn't aggressive when he could have gone forward on fourth and short and wasn't somehow let seven minutes expire off the clock. A lot of it comes back to coaching. Marcus Arreo has not been a good enough coach to steal them a possession or steal them points somewhere, and they keep losing by four points, seven points, and if he could steal them a possession somewhere, that that turns a loss into a win, and he just hasn't been good enough to do that. Can they turn it around at all? I mean, they've got a few games. We've talked about it in New Mexico. We've talked Hawaii here. I'm trying to put out their winnable games down the down the. I don't think this is one of them. I I do agree. Like we're kidding with Sisolak and and the mayor's bet. I would take the points this week, not because I think they have any chance to win, but for some reason they've been able to stay within numbers and be that good in terms of staying in within numbers. Now, twenty and a half is a big number, so I think they should be able to stay within that. They have been a decent rushing team and a decent uh, rush defense team. And granted, Nevada doesn't run the ball very much. So that might not no, matter throw it all over game. the field. But those two things are a big reason why they've been close in these games is they're, they're able to run the, they've been able to run the ball effectively the last couple of weeks and their run defense has been much better. So they're not getting torched with just simple handoffs that go for 60 yards. You got to actually complete a pass to beat UNLV's defense. That's where Nevada's strength is. So that'll be the interesting part is how much does UNLV's run defense matter in this game versus how much does Carson Strong pick them apart? They've gotten some decent pressure, not great by any means, but they've been decent at getting some pressure on the quarterback. That's the other thing here. If they can get to Carson Strong a few times, that might be enough to keep him in it and give him a shot in the fourth quarter. I love the fact, before we get out of here, I love the fact because you tweeted out the slot machine and the towel. You and our fans think you're the biggest UNLV home there is. It's the funniest that's thing. Actually pretty, that's actually pretty funny. <laughs> I tweeted out just... And like you said, they didn't even defend the towel. No, it's not so like, hey, we got a great towel. I tweeted out a photo of the sideline slot machine and a photo of Nevada's turnover towel. Turnover towel. I didn't even say, I didn't even add any commentary. I just tweeted the picture saying, here's a sideline slot machine, here's a turnover towel. And Nevada fans were not happy. Um, no, but they think you love UNLV. Right, basically telling me that, well, yeah, you got no wins over there. And I'm like... <laughs> 
I'm fully have you, aware. Have you listened to Bishop's Freak? I, I find I mean, it humorous I'm that they don't sure, have any wins. I'm pretty sure we beat Arkansas based on the school <laughs> I went to. Uh, I find it very humorous they don't have any wins. But I do love, of all the all the comments, all the angry fans from Reno, not a single one of them had a nice thing to say about the turnover no. towel. No one actually defended the turnover towel because they all know the turnover towel is lame. They, they all also know, it know sucks. no matter what they say, they also know the slot machine's pretty cool. And they wish they had thought of it. Yes. They wish their school yes. had thought of it because it would have worked in Reno, too. They could have put one in well, Reno. Well, they would have been pulling the lever yeah. a lot more. <laughs> they would have yeah. been over there, like, pulling that lever every other every well, other drive. I think what they need to do is they need to get, like, a blackjack table <laughs> set up, which is like, yeah, with the dealer. <laughs> and like, always hit, every time you score a touchdown, you're going to hit on 21. Yeah. Every time. It's I, I enjoyed that very much. Very, I love making fans angry. It's probably my favorite thing to do. It's very fun. Coming up next, J.R. Starkus joins the show. Finley Volvo invites you to... Ready for the weekend? Let's find out what's on tap. We can provide you with a wine-tasting tour of Tuscany. We cannot change why you drink. It's Thirsty Thursday with J.R. Starkus. Who needs a drink? So we drink and we drink and we drink. Here he is, Key Account Executive, Southern Glaze Wine Spirits Nevada, brought to you by Liquor World. It's extreme mixologist J.R. Starkus. I was going to ask, did you, we, we just uh, real quick in the last 24 hours, have you received a nice poem <laughs> from a no, listener? A poem? A poem, a poem, something that rhymes. Uh, I have not. Are you okay. going to give me one right now? Okay. No, 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 no. no we're no, we're no. actually trying to discourage this behavior. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, nobody's given me a poem. Um, I don't even know of anybody that would attempt to give me a poem in my circle of friends. Um, yeah. I'll be at a small circle, but, uh, I, I don't know of any of my friends that would even be like, Jerry, you know what? I have a poem for you. Okay. Without, without with being serious. Like they might say it jokingly, right. but yeah, I can't think of anybody. Just wondering. Uh, okay. Wait, some poems floating around. Yeah. There, I will say yes. And, um, please don't send up uh, people who are guests on our show poems. Um, <laughs> But uh, Jr. I one of the things that I always enjoyed is the random like the way random people will cheers where it's like a po- like it is like a quasi poem. And normally half of them can't be said on the air, like you know. Right. Um, yeah, nope. None of the ones I'm thinking of could be said on the air. Is that have you ever heard one of those while bartending that you're like, okay, these people are just idiots. Um, I heard one one time. It was kind of more and less. I don't know if it was less than a, of a cheers, but it was kind of that kind of like a uh, a send off to a wedding. It was a big wedding event I was working, and this guy gave one. Also, cannot be repeated <laughs> on air. Uh, it was quite poetic. It was funny, and um, it was basically a way of letting the groom know that he was pleased with his choice of bride and. Um, yeah, interesting way of putting it. Kind of caught everybody off guard. It was it was a lot of fun. But I've heard a few of them like that. But from behind the bar, usually just you know, cheers, saute, something like that. Nothing poetic usually. Are you watching the World Series? Because I'm supposed to not be, but I looked at like an inning last night. What happened to the Red Sox? Where'd they go? Yeah. Uh, good. <laughs> um, I, I I did watch game one. I did not watch game two last night. I was uh, I was working. I could not watch last night, but um, I did watch game one with my son. Um, it was great to see the Braves get off to such a hot start. Great to see, um, with, yeah. yeah, yeah, great to see the entire nation except for you know Tyler and Houston are reach are are cheering for the Braves. 
So, um, you know, yeah, it, I, I was great to see that. So it's one-to-one, okay. Um, but I, I am watching, and I will watch until the Astros go down and defeat. What what happened here? Red Sox scored three runs in the last three games. What what happened mm, there? Yeah, uh, total garbage hitting. Um, you know, I, I, there's no explanation for just like folding like that. But you know, I I make you know I know that everybody that watches and has a team, you know, it's like watching one of your horses, right? Uh, whether they're real or fake, <laughs> um, when they get out to an early lead, you're like crap. You know, like you got, you know, if you, if you're at the real racetrack and you're watching your horse and he's off, it, it's so seldom they go wire to wire, you know, and you watch them out to an early lead, they're out by eight lengths. You're like, Oh God, I got no shot. You can just throw your ticket away now because they're going to fade away. And so when I watch the Red Sox, you know, when they score buckets of runs like that in games, I always say to myself, Oh crap, they used them all up. And I was right. Like they used them all up in two games. It was great to see. It was fun. But then they had nothing left in the tank uh, for the final three games. It was atrocious. I don't think that's how it works. It's not how it works, but it, you <laughs> it's know, a good, it's a good way to explain who, you know, it. Somebody away, who s- seeks to watch trends—that's a trend that I do not like, and it happens all the time. And I keep proving myself right with the same trend with the Red Sox. You know what the trend was, though? The Astros after Game Three changed their signs, and the Red Sox stopped hitting. Well, they stopped throwing pitches that they could hit out of the bar ballpark with the bases loaded too. That that helps. When you don't get four at a time. Well, you know, they didn't get anybody on because they changed their signs, JR. You know what I'm trying to insinuate here, right? <laughs> I know what you're trying to insinuate. It'd be false because the team that actually won that, that series is the one that we probably should be looking into again. Uh, but who, whatever. Who's, who's the manager of the Red Sox? Mm. Where'd he come from? Hey, man. You know, he was taught by, uh, he, was taught, he was taught well. What can I say? My, uh, my team didn't hit either, so. I'm with you. Uh, it's yeah, Hall- I mean, that's worse, Ed. I mean, what, uh, you, what we watch with the Dodgers is worse. It's, uh, <laughs> right. it's Halloween weekend. You've got a punch bowl recipe, press box transition, uh, and you're going to teach people how to make the secret sauce uh, for your Halloween. I don't know. I have had Halloween punch bowls, but uh, you think some people do. So what's going on today? So so here's the thing. Like, with, with Halloween coming around and, you know, everybody, you know, so a lot of the time you have, if you have, people over, you know, you know, my son's a little bit older now, so he's not trick or treating any longer, but if you have, you know, scores of kids that are over and you're like, Hey, let's have an event at the house. And you know, you have a bunch of kids over It's It's not always conceivable to just make cocktails for your friends. Uh, you know, one at a time, if there's a bunch of parents over because there's a lot of kids running around, but if it's Halloween night and you're trick or treating with the kids, here's one thing's for sure. You'll need, and you'll want a cocktail, especially if you're out with the, the kiddos while you watch them. So, I thought making a, a fun little punch would, would work well. And the key to a great punch is the oleosaccharum, right? Um, oleosaccharum, it is, it's kind of literally translates to oil sucrose. And what you're trying to do is extract the oils from the lemon um, and, and kind of make basically like the world's greatest sweet and sour. Um, but when you make it correctly, not only is it easy, but it makes a really easy cocktail. So Here's how you make oleosaccharum. I like to make my oleosaccharum in threes, three lemons. And, uh, you know, when you pick a lemon, pick the you know, larger lemons that are kind of shiny on the outside. You don't want lemons that are, you know, older. You want, you want nice, firm, shiny lemons work best. Peel the lemons, um, you know, from, from tip to tip, all the way around the lemon. You want to get all the yellow off, basically, trying not to get any of the pith underneath. Put three, the peels of three lemons into a mason jar. And then for each lemon, one quarter cup of sugar, 
granulated sugar. So in this case, three lemon peels or peels of lemon and three quarters of a cup of sugar. Just add it together, shake it, sealed up in the, uh, in the mason jar. Keep the lemons for later. You know, this, the, the interaction between oil and sugar will take place over the next, like, 8 to 12 hours. Um, I posted, when I retweeted your tweet this morning, I posted three photos. That was minute one, hour three, hour eight, so you could see the difference it takes. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to do anything other than kind of shake it. That's it. The next day, or after hour eight, let's say, come back, juice the previously skinned lemons, and put that juice right into that mason jar. That's the three lemons, if they're good lemons, should yield you about four ounces of juice. Key number one, do not put the lemons in the refrigerator. Keep them out at room temperature. You'll get more juice. Once you put the juice into there, shake it. Now, the sugar that's remaining in there and the oils from the peels, it won't dissolve right away. It'll probably take an hour or so to dissolve, but shake it, let it go, shake it again, whatever. And after an hour, you'll have this beautifully vibrant oleosaccharum, which is a little bit of juice, a little bit of oil, a little bit of lemon peel, a little bit of sugar. Now, that's going to be good for you. You can put it in the refrigerator now and you can hold it over. Once you have that, now you can make your punch bowl. I recommend maybe taking like a, you know, hollowed out pumpkin, right? If you want for Halloween to keep it themed, uh, hollow out the pumpkin and put the entire contents of your oleosaccharum in to the pumpkin, okay? Um, you'll, ideally, this should be a well-chilled drink, so you can even just keep all of the liquids refrigerated for a little bit before you mix together. Uh, but put the entire contents of your oleosaccharum, peels and everything, into the pumpkin. Add 16 ounces of whatever booze you choose, right? I think a whiskey goes well. Um, so it could be, you know, your favorite bourbon. It could be a, a nice aged tequila if you want. It could be a vodka or a gin if you so desire as well. But I think something aged works well. Nice rum would, would be great. And then 16 ounces of chilled water. That's it. Stir it all together. Maybe garnish it with a little bit of nutmeg. If you really want to make it like Halloween themed, you can add like a little bit of pomegranate or cranberry to make it kind of like blood, if you will. Um, but that's it. Mix those things together into a pumpkin. You have a great themed drink. Just ladle it out of a pumpkin, put it uh, over some ice, and you have a great punch cocktail to use while everybody's over and nothing that you have to make. You can basically make the entire thing ahead of time. Just mix it in the pumpkin when people start to arrive, and it, it, it'll be great uh, until the entire thing is gone. What is the strangest container for some kind of punch bowl you've seen? The strangest container for some kind of punch bowl that I'm, I've ever seen. I'm just seen. saying, if I come over uh, and I see the drinks in a pumpkin, I'm going to be a little hesitant to drink out of that. No, I, I mean, like, people use a lot of fruit. I mean, I've used pumpkins, I've used watermelons, I've used coconuts. Um, you know, anything like that could, would work. I mean, I guess the strangest, it wouldn't be for a punch, it's more for a shot, but it, I don't know if it's stranger or quite, it, it's brilliant, is uh, a hollowed-out jalapeno. So if you want to do, like, something spicy and you just do the <laughs> shot out of a hollowed-out jalapeno and then you eat the jalapeno so it's spicy, um, you know, no. that, that, you know, that'll work. Stop. Jared is yeah. not about this jalapeno shot. No. He did not react well to that. How many of the, how much of this Halloween juice do you need before you start drinking it out of shoes? Ooh, good. That's a good one. Shoes are good. Shoes are a good uh, vessel to drink out of. I've they seen are? that too. That's, yeah, I've seen that. Um, you probably would with this concoction. You probably do two and a half drinks before a shoe. Sounds like a good idea. 
I'm not sure the 16 ounce of alcohol is going with all the little kiddos running around. What if some kid like, no, hey, look he, at this. This looks good. Well, I mean, you well, got to get him trained early. <laughs> yeah, you know, just the, that's how you build up the immune system. Give me, you know, like I told you, my father, when I was a kid, you're sick, here's a shot of brandy. And all right, man, you work like a champ. So maybe, you know, if the kid's not feeling so well, give him a little uh, little, little bit. A <laughs> little and, uh, pumpkin drink? Day, you know? Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe little Johnny, as you like to call him, little Johnny's down to bed early that night and all the sugar doesn't take effect and you'll be all right. You guys think I'd School be a bad day, you know? I'll give you a good thing we did when our kids were really young. They didn't know better. We said uh, there's a candy fairy because we didn't want them having all the candy. Pick 10 pieces, and then we'd get them something from Target, and we're like, all right, the fairies come and take all that candy, but it'll leave you, it'll leave you a gift. That way they only had 10 pieces, oh. but they got a little gift. I, I had like a, that. A, f- a friend of mine when I was a kid, her <laughs> father was a dentist. Oh. And, yeah, so she, he would make her and her brother go out at, like, you know, right after school, like three o'clock in the afternoon, they were trick or treating. No, I'm not joking. It was still light outside. They were the only two kids out. They would do all their trick or treating, and it was the candy that they would collect, so that that way that they could hand it out later that night to oh, all the other kids. Oh, what over. a bleep! It's cheap, yeah. cheap yep. dentist. Oh, yeah, that <laughs> cheap is, I love this guy. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. That is yeah. a bleep move. It <laughs> is, but oh, I love this guy. That would be Tyler yeah. as a dad, even if he wasn't a dentist. That is efficient except he right wouldn't, there. Except Tyler wouldn't like then use it to give out. He would just turn off the lights and go, now I have candy. <laughs> yeah, candy probably. Watch a game. Yeah. Oh, that is a pro move by that dentist. Yeah. Is, all this pro g- move. is all this going to be on your IG? It will all be on the IG, yes, sir. All right. At JR Makes Drinks, JR Starkus, follow him on Twitter at JR Starkus. Key account executive, Southern Glaves, Wine Spirits, Nevada, brought to you by Liquor World. He's the extreme mixologist. Thank you, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Take care, guys. Take care. That is a strong move, isn't it? That is, oh, that is impressive. Hey, go get the candy. Then we're giving it out tonight. <laughs> oh, that is, a, that is a great move. All right, here we go. We have a Porta Subs tailgate tray to give away. Uh, you will win a six-foot sub along with this tailgate tray, and you'll be qualified to win a new Yeti cooler thanks to Finley Volvo Cars Las Vegas. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We'll take caller number eight at 702-364-1100. You'll win the Porta Subs football tailgate tray with a six-foot sub and be qualified to win the new Yeti cooler thanks to Finley Volvo Cars Las Vegas. Caller number eight, 702-364-1100. Are stats hogwash? Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. We talked about on the broadcast how you hate candy corn. What's your favorite Halloween candy corn? I mean, I completely hate candy corn. Um, (laughs) uh, When I was a kid, well, gummy bears, let's see. Uh, Gummy bears for sure. Sour or regular? Uh, um, the, the, the hair bow. It's got to be the hair bow ones. And then uh, the other thing I like is uh, is when they used to have the, the uh, sprees in a box. Outstanding. You have to go to the dollar store to find it. But I do. And then the latest, the, the latest, you know, there's still candy innovation, although a while back I found that Europe had better candy than we did overall because <laughs> they have gummy everything. And then, uh, but the uh, um, the, uh, you know, they have those Nerds Clusters, which is new. With the gummy. Yeah, which is good. The Nerds Clusters is good. And then if you go chocolate, uh, probably Almond Joy. Love it. Hopefully you'll get some of that next week. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Thanks, Coach. All right, thank you. You're locked in the press box.
That was Mike Leach, head coach of Mississippi State. That was his post-game on-field interview after they beat Vanderbilt 45-6. to Why don't we get more of that stuff? <laughs> the, the entire interview about the candy, the one thing that stood out to me is he said they had him at the dollar store as if when he was a kid, and he goes, I go there to get them. Like So he still goes there. Like, I thought, oh, okay, back in the day, the dollar store, that's where you got that certain candy. And he says, I go there to get them. So he's still rolling up to the dollar store Which, in search of this candy. By the way, you can find the boxes of candy at any local supermarket. Yes, exactly. You do not have to go to the dollar store. <laughs> eh, maybe not in Starkville, Mississippi. That is also ah, fair. That's yeah, a, that's, that's, a, that's a good point. If that's my, good point. I never lived there, but I went there quite a bit. Uh, if my memory is correct, there is one grocery store, a Piggly Wiggly, a Walmart, and a Dollar General. Okay. And I think that's wow. it. So they call it Stark Vegas. What do you think the comparison? <laughs> oh, God. The worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Stark Vegas. Jesus. But so my girlfriend. Is there a gambling boat there or no, something? No, there's nothing there. My girlfriend, uh, born and raised. That was Tunica. Born and raised in Las Vegas, uh, went to Mississippi State for college, and she despises that people call it Stark Vegas too. It's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting uh, traveling uh, situation from here to Mississippi State. It is. She so she was born in Vegas, but her family did move a little bit. Like they lived in Nebraska for a couple of years, and they actually lived in Mississippi when she was in. Fourth and fifth grade, we went to middle school together or elementary school, whatever that is, for two years, uh, and then moved back to Vegas. And so, when she graduated high school, she just wanted to leave Las Vegas and okay. made the worst decision of her life to go to Mississippi. <laughs> but it worked out well for me. <laughs> Feels like everything in this relationship works out good yeah, for you. It does. It's wonderful. Why How, it? What's the uh, driving distance between both schools? Uh, it's like two hours. Um, okay, but it's on you know some one lane straight, highways, straight highway, straight one lane. Yeah, you're you like straight. Get, well, they're not very straight. Yeah, but you get behind some Who? tractors. Okay, yeah. yeah. You brutal. you haven't driven through the Midwest and the South, have you? Very much because Midwest, not much the South. Okay, yeah. genuinely, there will be times you're on a two lane blacktop that doesn't have a line in the center yes. of it, yes. and it, there are just blind corners yep. with trees, <laughs> and the whole time all you're doing is screaming, Mother bleeping <laughs> imminent domain! Yeah. Why is this not a straight yeah. line? And the tree, the trees is the scary part, because you got you go off the road like a foot. You're and you're right into one. Oh, boy, it's over for you. Sorry. But, yeah, two probably hours. wouldn't be the place I want to drive at 3 a.m. No. Oh. Well, actually, probably better at 3 a.m. than... Mm. Yeah. I, I knew a lot of people with square body Chevys that they wrapped around a tree. Around a roadkill? A lot of roadkill? Road yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, lots yeah. of roadkill. Yeah. Oddly enough, lots of turtles in Missouri. Like, that was a very common roadkill. Really? Yeah, don't remember turtles in Mississippi. Nah. But, yeah, the, the way you drive from Starkville to Oxford, you, like, it's, uh, yeah, two-lane highways, middle of nowhere. One literally goes to the middle of a town. Like the the highway just suddenly you're going through the town square, right? And you keep going. It's a it's a disaster. It's a terrible drive. It's an awful drive. But at least it's only two hours. Like I, went, I drove I drove this summer from Vegas to Reno. Oh my god. Okay, that's so, the worst drive in the world. There's a we went to I went to cover UNLV football uh, training camp one time in Ely. My son was he was younger, but he wanted to come with me. <laughs> it was we for some reason we left at midnight, and I don't know why. But each time we went boom, boom with the car. He goes, what was that? Just a bump. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Boom, bump. Just another bump. There's a lot of bumps. Yes, there are. 
on this road into beautiful Ely, Nevada. A lot of bumps. There were a lot of bumps. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Don't worry about it. How do get Sisolak back on the phone? How do we not have a multi-lane highway from here to Reno? What are we doing? Because in this we state? don't. If you're here, we don't want you going to Reno. I know, gamble here. I know. I complained about this in the summer, but what the hell is that? You get like 30 minutes outside of Vegas, and all of a sudden it's one lane the rest of the way. What kind of a state are we? You're middle. Of, you're in the middle of the goddamn We're desert. Better We're than off, Mississippi. We're off tomorrow, but listen in. It's the best of.